I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God is real too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day? And how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. This week we are um, recording under the light and the aroma of Honey Nut Cheerios. Mm -hmm. On a scale of uh, zero cholesterol to 10 cholesterol. <laughs> it's chock full of cholesterol. <laughs> yeah. My nostrils are full of cholesterol right now. I do feel like this one, I feel like it. it's a, like an eight maybe. Yeah. I feel like it really does smell like Honey Nut Cheerios. And it is my favorite scent yet. Okay. Even though Lucky Charms are my favorite cereal, but this is my favorite scent. Okay. Yeah. So mark that down for your next run to Target who does not sponsor our podcast. Yes. But you never know where the future the honey. The funny thing about podcasting is that somebody could discover this one in like, it could be the year 2038. Which would be so unfortunate because maybe they won't have these candles anymore. <sighs> or maybe true. we'll get Things such do a change. pull that they'll come back. Yeah. That's probably what will happen. Mm -hmm. There'll be a revival. Because mm -hmm. um, yeah, with podcasts, somebody in year 2038 could be like, I wonder if there's like a Bible podcast that's also kind of about breakfast. <laughs> and they could find us and they could be like somebody with who's an influencer. And then we'll take off. Yeah. That's going to be a thrill. Who knows where you'll live or I'll live, but we'll get the call. They'll be like, your time is now. And they'll Just hope my personality <laughs> doesn't change. <laughs> I would say I hope yours does, but I really don't. That's not true. <laughs> I, I enjoy it just as it is. Um, I'd give it an eight out of 10 cholesterol. Eight out of 10 cholesterols. Yeah. I've gotten that a lot. <laughs> so we're in Genesis 37. Uh, we're going to hop around because so many of these stories, uh, they're longer than a lot of the ones we read in, in the Gospels and the book of Acts. Um, but Joseph's story really starts in uh, Genesis 37. And these are Jacob's sons who we talked about in our last uh, podcast. And I think we did, we've talked about this a little bit, this narrative in the Bible of older sons and younger sons. And how the older sons were supposed to get all the favor, but how often in the Bible, the younger sons get more favor and they're a little more beloved. And that there's also this recurring thread of the younger son experiencing a kind of death and resurrection, which actually happens like three times in this story. <laughs> this is a loop-de-loop -loop ride. Yeah. <laughs> this is in that case for this being a giant thread in the narrative of the story. Joseph's story contributes like a lot of heft to that uh, theory. Uh, what do you remember about Joseph? Because this is a long story, right? Yeah, we have a lot to work with to right. tell the story. So out of the gate, he is he is the youngest out of a bunch of brothers, correct? Like right. he is the youngest. Yeah. And I remember that. Well, he has little. Little Benjamin. Little Benji. Little Benji. So okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if he was born before or after later events. Yeah. Okay. So he is the second to youngest yeah. and his dad uh, favors him. He's the favorite of the, of the bunch. And that causes some problems because he also knows that he's the favorite. Yeah. 
because he doesn't he have the stream where all of his brothers are bowing down to him. <laughs> yes. And then he tells all of his brothers that he had this dream that they were all bowing down to him. Yes. And they were like, you are a very annoying little brother. <laughs> I know. When I learned this story as a kid, I feel like the brothers were really made to be at the bad guys. Oh, yeah. Which fair enough, right. because eventually they do throw him in a pit. And just leave him for dead. Yes. And tell their father. So they're not the best people. But I do feel like going back and reading it this week, I was like, oh, but Joseph is also (laughs) kind of a twerp. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's a total tattletale. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a story at the beginning where he like comes back and reports to his dad. The brothers aren't doing what they're supposed to do. Oh, like when they're working. Yeah. He gets this coat. Right. And he shows it off like and then this dream that you're talking about Mm -hmm. where he basically over breakfast tells his brothers, I had this dream that you all bowed down to me (laughs) and it seemed so great. And aren't we all looking forward to that day? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he's kind of a pill. Yeah. I I mean, you kind of get this sense of that he's loved, but. I don't know if he's my brother. I think I might be tempted to also maybe throw him in a pit. Right. Um, wasn't he kind of young at this? Wasn't he like 17 or somewhere around that? Yeah, I think that at the is beginning. the story, right? Is we're, we're catching him when he's a kid. So a little bit so of can, an immaturity there yeah. potentially. Yeah. But some of the things we see in the early story do end up continuing to be true in good and bad ways. Um, because he does seem to get Jacob's... Um, he does inherit a love for shenanigans. Mm. I think we'll call it that because he does some, some other things in the story that are kind of uh, the shenanigans, I think is the best word. Cause they're not necessarily, he's just playing tricks with people, right? He's messing with people along the way. So he gets this, he has this traumatic moment, right? Where his brothers leave him in the pit. Yeah. And but they sell him. Basically. Yeah. He ends up, uh, being sold into sort of servitude, like in ends up serving the Pharaoh in Egypt. And in the meantime, the brothers tell their dad yeah. that he passed away. Right. Correct? And and I think they even bring back the tattered coat. Oh, yeah. 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 Which I always I only think of Dolly Parton with that. Did you did you ever hear her uh, coat of many colors? Oh, I think so. But it's in, it's such a small memory in my yeah. brain. I want to be well, able to tell you Well, it's a totally it. different story because mm-hmm. in hers, it's like it's when her family because she was born into poverty in the Smoky Mountains and her mom kind of gathers all these different pieces of cloth and makes her a coat. Oh, um, neat. But I always like intermingle just what do I know about coats? What are my <laughs> coat stories? It's like Dolly Parton and her coat of many colors uh-huh. and Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat. Um, but yeah, it's a little slightly different messaging. But yeah, so they bring back the tattered coat to the dad, who's of course sad, his most favorite son, the one he thought it was the best. And that's that death moment, right? In that death and resurrection of the beloved son, it certainly seems to the family that he's dead. And to his brothers, it's like he might as well be. Because he's gone. Yeah. Well, so he ends up getting a job in government, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Serving the Pharaoh. And this thing he does with dreams becomes really useful. Right. And so this, this thing that was annoying in his family of, of having a dream and of also interpreting it and bringing meaning to the dream becomes the way he serves the Pharaoh. So there's a couple of times where the Pharaoh has dreams 
and Joseph is brought into the meeting, into the conference room to talk through what the dream meant. And so he proves himself to be really useful to the Pharaoh. Uh, another just kind of thrown into again, we're talking about in the Old Testament, there are more of these like epic <laughs> stories. So mixed into there is a scandal. Yes. Where Potiphar's wife is like, she's got the hots for Joseph because mm -hmm. apparently coat or no coat. Handsome fella. He's a handsome guy. She's warm for his form. <laughs> as they used to say, I think, I think somebody said that once. Uh, so um, she's warm for his here. form. <laughs> and uh, he has this moment where he has to run away from her. I, I remember learning that story a lot as a teenager. <laughs> that we were all supposed to be <laughs> to like Joseph. Away. Yeah, run and away. run away from temptation. Um it is kind of a, it's kind of a fun story. It was just a well, fun relative, but like, right. um, you don't get very many stories where the woman is the like aggressor yeah. in that kind of way. That's so true. it's a little bit fun flip, flip uh, to, the script. to have a woman being. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what en ends up getting him in jail. Correct. Exactly. Like, she yeah. ends up, she feels rejected. So she goes yep. to her husband and acts as if he did um ag be aggressive act aggressively towards her yeah so uh, it's a little bit of like a he said she said one of the very mm -hmm. first instances and there are other we should say there are there are other stories of this kind of heated like it, it doesn't shy away from sexual violence i guess would be the thing um and we do have many more stories where the man where the men uh, victimize the women. So this is kind of a flip of that script in a serious way too. Um, but yeah, it's also part of these power plays because here's Joseph who really doesn't have power, but he does have this ability uh, to interpret dreams. And so eventually there's, there's like a lingering trouble in the land, right? The threat of famine. So Joseph's brothers uh, come to see the Pharaoh and to beg for, I think it's grain, Right. They're like looking for resources in case uh, drought or famine take over. And Joseph does have power over them. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have this moment where there's all this, again, shenanigans feels like the right word. There's all these, this trickery, right? It's even kind of, you have to like read it really closely. He like sends them away, but he hides money in their bags so that they look like thieves and have to be brought back to him. Oh, I forgot about that detail. Yeah. And then there's the moment where he puts the, he hides the cup in Benjamin's bag so that it looks like Benjamin's going to get punished for stealing this cup. Um, and so there's all this trickery going on again, because I think that's a, maybe why Jacob liked Joseph more. So mm. he saw some part of himself in Joseph. Um, so he doesn't just handle it straightforwardly, I guess would be the thing is that he, he does what I think a lot of us do when something is really awkward. <laughs> we just make it more awkward. <laughs> it's kind of what he, he does. And he's making his brothers jump through some hoops after mistreating them. Exactly. Sort of trying to, I feel like he's also like maybe potentially buying some time to see what his brothers are like now that so much time has passed and yeah, how they maybe act it's and like what's these, changed. These and, tests mm -hmm. that he's putting them through to see. Uh, and maybe to just play with their desperation a little bit, see how hungry they really are. Um, let's talk just for a minute about dreams now, because we talked about this. If you remember back when we talked about acts, there's a couple of moments where God uses dreams to communicate to people something that they might not have seen otherwise. Um, 
So have you ever, this is something more like, it's kind of dreams, but it's also the, maybe it's kind of like what people talk about when they talk about like manifesting something. Mm -hmm. You ever heard people talk about that? Yes. Manifestation. I know I used to get trained for it in track. Our coach would have us picture ourselves crossing the finish line successfully ahead of people. We'd sit there and we'd get, he'd like read us. This is what it would feel like. This is, it was kind of goofy, but I think there's some science behind yeah. It. When I, I was thinking about if I've ever done anything like that, and that's the first thought I had is when I was training for my first marathon, I remember being on those long training runs and imagining what it would feel like to cross the finish line. And that would keep me going. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel yourself even like picking up speed when you oh, imagine totally. what that would be like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever. It helps you find that next wind or whatever. Do you have anything like that where you've you've imagined something and it came true or, or maybe you didn't make it happen with your brain, right? (laughs) But you just had a picture of something and then it happened. Have you ever had anything like that? The example that I can't stop telling people, even though it seems boring, it is so, (laughs) it was so wild to me. I, there was this professor I hadn't talked to in probably three or four years. And I had a dream that he shot me an email and then he sent me an email the next day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I just went around telling everybody, Hey, my (laughs) professor emailed me and I knew he was going to email. Cause it tells me it feels like some kind of magic, right? It felt yeah. like magic. Cause what, yeah. that's such a boring dream to have. And then it happens. <laughs> it happened literally the next morning yeah. and I hadn't, I hadn't corresponded with them in several years. I think, you know, we have parallels to like, we have deja vu, right? Like right. that feeling of, I feel like I've been here or something about this connects to something in the past. But I also think there's that thing where you've thought of a person and then you run into them. Yeah. You know, there's that too, where it feels like there was some preparation that our souls were doing mm-hmm. for something to happen. So there's something to, I think we could all admit there's times where there's just something mysterious about the way something kind of works out. And that's, um, but what I think in this story, it's not just like that strangeness or the mystery, like Joseph for all his foibles and shenanigans, and for all the power plays he finds himself in, he very often goes back to God is the one helping him interpret the dreams. So even though the temptation would be for him to make himself great, when it comes down to it, he does like give God the credit. So he says that that's the only way he knows what the dreams mean. And then though that ends up being his way that he's able to provide for Egypt, right? Because he helps them know almost like forecasting, like now is when we need to start storing grain. Now is when we need to start setting aside our crops and canning our tomatoes or whatever they had to do to get ready for these droughts and these famines. And so I just think in this wild family story, this is what I love about Old Testament stuff is that in the midst of this wild family story, there is still this idea that God is working through all of this chaos. So God is still at work underneath, however wild the the human stories get. What do you, do you have any thoughts on what Joseph would have for breakfast? First of all, he was his father's favorite. I just feel like he finds a way to always land on top, no matter what happens to him. So then he gets put in a pit and then he ends up working for the Pharaoh. He goes to jail. He ends up running the jail. He um, then is put in this power position, just all of the circumstances that should make him not succeed. He succeeds despite. So I pictured him being the person who you go to breakfast with and then he's the one who gets the thousandth pancake of the <laughs> of the month so he gets yeah. his free meal or he's the one who really bonds with um the the local donut guy at the diner so he always gets the bonus donuts in the yeah. box like he just finds a way to connect with people in a way that gets him to that next yeah that next level yeah just a fortunate mm-hmm. a fortunate person yeah who 
outside of his own effort uh, or character just has good things happen to him. Yeah. yeah. I thought of, I don't, I think yours is better. Mine, my first thought is that he was the kind of person who really hates having like crumbs in the butter. Mm. Um, like just kind of calculating. Oh, since he, he seems so intentional with all of the moves yeah, that he makes. Yeah, I think so. Or yeah, maybe just because he's, he's always like looking for all the angles. Mm. I think especially if you've been left in a pit for dead. Right. You would you would have these things that would bother you or would you'd be trying to find safety and security maybe and things you could control. Right. Um, so he, and he probably has a special ability to notice as well. Yeah. And I, I do think he's maybe he just wants the cereal to milk ratio to be right because mm-hmm. um, he does seem good at at calculating. Um, I do think within his story, you know, it's always funny to me. One of the things I love about looking at these stories is there's so many different things you could take away from them, right? Which is the same as some of the stories we looked at with Jesus, where it's like, there's not just one thing. Like, it would be hard to hear this whole story and take away what's the one thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's actually layers because <laughs> he, he has this story of betrayal. So if you're feeling like you've ever been betrayed or like people have ever counted you out, there's something here for you in this story. Um, if you've ever felt like you were, uh, charmed, you know, which is what, a you know, there's something for you in the story. If you've ever felt like you were the sibling who wasn't loved as much as the other one, then you're in this story too. Uh, and provision to the people of God still comes through this story, right? Eventually we have the 12 tribes of Israel who all kind of bear the names of these brothers. Um, And so the promises of God are still moving forward, even if it's through this very weird story of siblings bringing out the worst in each other, you know? And they all do come together at the end. Exactly. There's there's forgiveness and there's unity once again. In the same way we saw with Jacob and Esau, right? Yes. Is that he hugs on his neck or falls on his neck. Um, (laughs) Whatever that means. Yeah. And so in the same way that with each of these stories, there's a death and here the death is kind of, it's Joseph being left in the pit. It's also him being separated from them by being in Egypt. It's also him holding Benjamin back from going back home with his brothers. There are all these separations or sort of symbolic deaths. Um, But then they are resurrected because there is this moment where he finally reveals himself to them and they're kind of reunited and restored. And so that is that resurrection theme. So, and again, the idea of that is that by the time you get to the story of Jesus, you're set up for this idea that life is, can feel like a sibling rivalry (laughs) and that, that the younger son is beloved and might have a kind of death followed by any number of resurrections, right? Um, so we're just on our way to that story, but Joseph Joseph moves it along for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think that Joseph's story is one of those wild roller coaster Old Testament rides. Like especially rereading it, I kind of feel like I took some of these stories for granted as far as how many twists and turns there are in each of them. And I think we're going to talk about Moses in our next episode. Yeah, and it follows that same line of what what is going on here. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that next kind of wild story on our next episode. Um, Until then, thanks for joining us on The Breakfast Translation.